0: It's Thursday, Trade Talk. I'm joined by Mitch Casey and Matty G, same as last week. We haven't got Skiddy, but I'm going through some Aussie analysts where we're keeping this real. We've got a beverage each. This is Fantasy Basketball International. This is Balls Deep. Imagine with all your complexity, all your
1: perfection, all your
0: empathy. Welcome to the Balls Deep Podcast, part of the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Uh, it is Thursday. What is the date? 4th of January. Uh, this is our new weekly show, Thursday Trade Talk. It's Aussies, it's at least people from the Southern Hemisphere, so that we can all record at about 8 o'clock uh, on a Thursday evening, 7 o'clock for Mitch. I'll bring the boys in. G and Mitch. Drinks in hand, very nice. Um, we 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 made Mitch run and grab a drink before <laughs> coming. Out. We wouldn't let him on without it. So, um, yep, we had G on last week. I, I thought it, the show went a bit long. Uh, we don't mind the yeah. chat, so we're we're you cutting don't. it down a little bit this week. Uh, G, how's your week been?
1: Yeah, mate, really, really good. Uh, was really happy with last week's show. It's it's always good to talk fantasy basketball yeah. on, a, on a on a night with some good lads like yourself and and Casey and Skitty last week and. And then it was really good to see what we talk about come into fruition later that week with Scoot Scoot Henderson, pretty much getting the start the next day after Mm -hmm. we recorded the pod and then seeing how he rolled out those first few games until he laid an absolute shit one today. So it's always good to, yeah, yeah he had a crap game today, but it's always good to have that kind of talk and to flesh it out with great basketball minds and and then see what comes of it. So a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. Mitch, uh, thanks for, I mean, you've been on this show plenty of times, I'm been, I was on your show a few days ago. Uh, yeah. Good to have you here. Good to have you here in the evening, a little bit different to what we normally do. Yeah,
2: mate. It's, uh, it's a different time. I'm sort of out of whack, but uh, but let's get into it. I've, I've got a beer in hand, so let's get loose and keep uh, Jeez, perpetuating nice. the uh, Australian stereotype of drunken, messy <laughs> behaviour. That's right. Okay, I
0: don't know what
1: you're talking about.
2: You're <laughs> up he'll, to he'll, that he'll.
0: stereotype. Uh, right. So same as last week we've each of us have bought a hypothetical or theoretical fantasy trade to the table we'll have a chat about who we would prefer in that trade but first I just thought we'd go through a little bit of news there were 12 games on the slate uh, on Wednesday night so I just thought we'd go through uh, some news from those games now this first piece of news is, is very relevant uh, for Mitch he has Derek Lively in our industry pickup. League And he went down with an ankle injury again today. Didn't look great. Uh, I'm thinking a couple of weeks. Um, Mitch, I'll start with you because I, I know you have him. This is obviously pretty bad news, but are you expecting a sort of a longer absence because I believe this is the same ankle?
2: yeah so i think it's his left ankle which is the same one that he did yeah left ankle sprain so it's the same one he did a little while ago and i think from memory he missed about a week or just over a week last time probably i would at least double that this time around uh maybe longer so yeah not good not the best and the other shit thing is that i don't really know if there's much of a pickup as well because he's going to be replaced by dwight powell and maxi kleber and they're pretty boring when it comes to fantasy hoops so yeah, just kind of sucks. Um, so I put him just when I had nearly all of my injured uh players gone from my industry pickup team. We uh we have one day and um and then I got another one back in there, so yeah, that's all right. I uh we, we live to push on, we live to push on. Hopefully, Brooke Lopez can fill the hole that he's left <laughs> that you've so uh you know kindly given me.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I did. We can talk about that in a sec. Um, gee, <laughs> um yeah, look, I mean, as Mitch said, there's no real fantasy pickups here, I, I don't think, a, anyone no. you can think of. But, I mean, we've seen this before.
1: The only one I can think of is literally does Rashawn Holmes get some more relevance in Dallas, if anything? Uh, I don't think he has the same kind of game. We've seen him get an uptick in minutes here and there. It's possible they roll it out. I just don't think it works. He, Look, he was a guy before, like, Lively really came into the fray early. that there was some talk about having a bit of a bounce back year. So I'll be curious to see if he gets minutes. But I think Mitch has hit it on the head that it's probably – more like by committee. We're going to see some more Dwight Powell action around the place, and and go from there. But no one springs to mind for Dallas apart from just see what they do with the uh, Rashawn Rashawn Holmes. See if he gets some some minutes here and there.
2: Yeah, good shout. I might, um, I might pick him up in my
1: thirty team league. He's available there. Yeah, that's probably that's probably the, like the deepest thing you're going to get him for. Because I don't. You're right. It's only pretty much Powell and Cleaver that's going to get a run with how they play it these days.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. Um... And as Mitch alluded to there, yes, we did um, – I mean, this is a little bit off topic, but we did make a trade in industry pickup. Um, oh. It was on it was on Twitter. I, I copped a little bit for it, but I'm okay what with it. What was the trade? I know, what I know was the on trade the on this surface one? it looks – so I gave up Brook Lopez mm-hmm. and I got Chris Paul and Onyeka Kongwu in return. Um, oh, you got the
1: Omelette. Good for you.
0: So, yeah, look, it, Lopez is clearly the best player there and, and I'm fully aware of that, but I didn't need blocks. That so, that's because I have Wemby and Chet. So, is this
1: the team that you owe every, own every center in existence in? Is this the same one where you rolled off the thing last week? That it's just pretty much like if they're not seven foot, you don't want them near your squad?
0: Pretty much. So, all right, yeah. so I didn't need Lopez's blocks, I need assists and steals. I got Chris right. Paul, uh, and then and then Mitch kindly threw in Onyeka Kongwu just to bump up that <laughs> field goal percentage. And, and look who knows, maybe a Kongwu at some point starts and Capella gets injured and then I'm, I'm cheering, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting trade. And, and uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on it, Mitch? I don't know. It's been a couple of days and uh, still yeah, happy well, with it.
2: Uh, I kind of thought it might've been a, an ability to sell high on Chris Paul because I was foreseeing maybe a Draymond Green comeback, but there's been a few comments even since that trade about Draymond, not even being as part, part of the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, been with the team, and even though he's been allowed to be, which I thought was interesting. Um, so I don't know, maybe Chris Paul's going to be better for longer than I initially thought when making the trade. The assists are useful in my team as well, but I also managed to pick up uh, a trade Jones, which you know, he's not near as good as Chris Paul, but he does still offer me some assists, uh, and steals that I could potentially stream if I need it for the matchup. But yeah, I, I think for me, the Brook Lopez was the best trade, uh, best player of the deal this league is a uh, games cap salary. So to me, there is extra value in solidifying your best sort of 10 players um, because sometimes you don't use those players at the back end of your roster uh, on a week to week basis. So to me to get those top 10, a bit stronger worked out. And uh, I think uh, especially Drew Dinkley's team, I'm quite close with him in blocks. So this was uh and losing Mobley a few weeks ago, is definitely something I need to shore up. And now obviously Derek Lightly. So <laughs> here we go.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, on to the next uh, next topic, uh, the magic today. So Fultz, I mean, he, he seems to have been close for about a month, but he he's just getting ruled out and, I don't know, yeah. it's annoying. But they lost Mo Wagner today. He rolled his ankle. Uh, Cole Anthony was ruled out prior to the game with what they said has been an ongoing issue, so something he's been dealing with. So potentially he misses a few games here. Uh, Gary Harris... I think, was it his calf? He he hurt his calf today, which for Gary Harris is nothing new. Um, he seems to, much like Malcolm Brogdon, he doesn't really last more than about a week or two before getting injured. Uh, and Paolo Banquero actually rolled his ankle in today's game, played through it and had 43 or 45 points or whatever it was. But this could be something that flares up overnight. If the magic are without Fultz, Wagner, Anthony, Harris and Bank- bankero and Joe Ingles is out. Yep. Um, who, who are the targets here? Gee, any any names come to mind?
1: Yeah, Anthony Black. A- A- <laughs> Anthony Black, I think is I think is uh, I just like him more than most of the other blokes. I think the only guy's getting run here. <laughs> Look, I'm more bummed about Franz because I traded to get him in my team. Earlier this season, to be fair. So I was pretty high on him, especially the last few weeks. He's returned some nice value and played himself into top 60 more consistently. So I don't know what they do with their rotation because that's a lot of pieces in the magic that are just Mm. miraculously gone. You know what I mean? Like I think Anthony Black is the only guy who I generally like. Goga Badadze is going to continue to get minutes as far as I can see there. Jalen Suggs obviously is going to continue to get minutes. Chumaro Kiki. I think is probably going to have more of a run. He ended up playing 27 minutes today and they rolled out Queen today as well, which I was, I'd never even heard of him on their roster to be fair. Um, but trevor and Queen just ended up out there with 38 minutes in their team. So it's like they just packed some extra guys onto the, you know, into the stands and just ended up throwing them some jerseys to go down. Cause as you said, by the end of it, that's five blokes that pretty much went off. But look, I just, I don't know where you go from here. I mean, the thing that I'm more surprised at is that, There's no impact here for Wendell Carter Jr. It would have been nice for another big man to have gone down so he can get some more minutes and some more run because he's been nothing short of atrocious since coming back. He's had probably one solid game, but I don't know where you look here. Mitch, what about you, mate?
2: Uh, I think that um, someone like a Cole Anthony, I think is going to benefit a little bit here, but he himself is questionable, I think, for the next game. But um, in terms of offense, it's going to obviously all go through Pirlo. No. Um, and he's going to get as much as he can handle, and yeah, maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing in terms of his percentages. Uh, like you said, Su- uh, faults. Sorry, Suggs is going to have to take a, a big step up on the offense. I do wonder if this means that they, even though there's no big man affected, do they do they flip uh, a Goga with someone like? um Wendell Cutler, just because you you could say that Goga's a bit more defensive focus, Wendell's a bit more offensive focus, and if you lose someone like France, who's a big point of your team's offense, maybe they're going to prefer that kind of, um, you know, that kind of fit out there. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's there's a huge instant must-grab. I'd maybe have a... um, I you know, about on Wendell Carter Jr. If you can afford to be patient for a couple of games, but outside of that, it, the guys that benefit are probably already rostered in the most uh, in the most part.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
2: Yeah, it's. it's I really, I'm, I'm curious. Don't sure, show sure sure the back. optimism for Anthony Black, though. I, I will say that. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I just
1: love. I just love Anthony Black. I'm, I'm, I'm just. I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm an Anthony Black truther. I think one day he'll eventually get some minutes and be meaningful in the NBA. And I mean, this is a well, time he's to get better than any.
2: He, he has more. he has
1: gotten minutes, so <laughs> I want more. Yeah. I want more from Blackie. I want more from Blackie. I, I I like the guy. I think Anthony Black is he's a lot of fun when I watch him out there, and I just love the way that like the team seems to you know he's like their rook, man. You know, they, they really upped him up, so I, I like seeing that for him. But I, I'm actually just curious to see how long this Wagner injury is going to be. To be fair, I'm really wanting to hear those reports overnight and see where it goes. Um, because that's yeah. that's a loss for them.
0: Yeah, it is. I think we do need to wait to get some clarity on how long people are out. Until we get that, it's, yeah, as we said, maybe Wendell Carter. Uh, Caleb Houston, I don't mind if you need threes. Um, He seems to be a bit of a sharpshooter. So um, if you've got, like, in that Luke Kennard, Malik Beasley, um, Corey Kispert kind of role, so maybe you could look at him. He played 31 minutes today and had four threes. Um, And as you said, and Queen had... 38 minutes, and I think he'd played. I think they were saying on the broadcast he's played fewer than 100 minutes this season and only played two minutes in the last game. So, uh, it's it's sort of a lot of unknowns at the moment. Um, over to Chicago, Levine, who I don't know, I I somewhat thought he may not play for Chicago again. Sounds like he's going to. Um, and I suppose the question, the question I've had and, and will probably continue to get is, what do we do with Kobe White? And we obviously don't drop him, but people, are do we try and sell him off now? Is he going to take a significant hit when Levine comes back? Uh, Mitch, what do you think here with Levine coming in? Is Kobe White a sell high or do you just hold on to him? Um,
2: I don't think you're going to be able to get the return that you would want to sell him high because everyone knows that Zach Levine's going to come back, but I also think there's still a very strong chance that he's not finishing the season with the Chicago Bulls. Like there's been enough yeah. noise and there's been enough like success for the Bulls playing without him, um, to suggest that I don't think he's going to be, you know, playing on this team after the All-Star break. There's also the slight upside that someone like a Vucevic or a DeRozan has also moved at the trade deadline. Um, if it was a different team than Chicago Bulls, I would say it's a better chance, but because they seem to love mediocrity, um, I think that maybe <laughs> it's not as strong on this team. Um, so I, I think there's more upside on holding him than trading him for, you know, two cents on the dollars because everyone knows that Levine's coming back and going to hurt his production, I guess, at
0: least somewhat. So I'd probably just hold for the most part. Yep. Uh, G, what what are you are you doing the same?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm right with you. I'm actually a a Kobe White owner in one league, so I'm I'm holding, seeing where it goes. He's going to yeah. have his up and downs. This is what he's done. He's also we have to remember last year after the trade deadline, he put together those really nice runner games with Levine in the starting lineup. So he has shown at times he can play with Zach. I actually more question the minutes that Caruso gets, even though Caruso I love as a you know, as a starter with this team and Pat Williams and the defense that they bring. Not that they've been great. Again, mediocrity as as Mitchy said, but mate, that's I think Caruso takes a minute to hit because we've seen him starting. I think where else does he roll apart from back into the six unit, like a six man kind of role for them? I think that's pretty much where it goes from there.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those two. I think it's Patrick Williams or or um Caruso that that moves back to the bench, then they're, they're not moving Kobe White out. And and look, White, I mean, he was pretty bad to start the season, but he had some good games before Levine went down. So his his trajectory was pointed up before the Levine injury. That that just gave him a boost. So I would, yeah, I certainly wouldn't drop him. I don't think he can get value in a trade, but I would just keep an eye on your waiver wire. Because if he if Levine comes back and White has a couple of bad games where he he, he'll probably still play 30, 32 minutes, but he might shoot two of 10 for whatever reason. If he has a couple of games like that, managers might start to get really, really frustrated. So he might be someone that you could target as a buy low um, because as Mitch said, there's a pretty good chance Levine isn't on this team uh, come the end of the season. Um, now, I tweeted out something yesterday. What's,
2: what's that on the screen there, Kingy? What, what have you got there on the screen, mate?
0: <laughs> yeah, I tweeted out, my uh, potential first round for next season um, or just to get people talking and a few of my teams sucked this year. So I'm starting to think about next year already. <laughs> um, so I just thought I'd ask you boys and, and the, because looking at, for me, I think there's a pretty strong case next year that Jokic won't be the consensus number one, which he has been for the last four years, maybe. Um would you agree with that? And and I just thought I'd maybe get off each of you a potential top five, in no particular order, but a top five. G, I'll let you take us away.
1: I wish I'd seen your fucking tweet earlier. Um, look, you know, I think I think you're bang on. Like I think, look, we we like we we kind of fall in love with who we love to have at number one and number two, and we kind of get tenured to these guys like Jokic and Embiid a lot. I think. I think that my big exercise and what it comes to with some of our trades that we're going to do later on is we talk about the young blood that's coming in through the NBA. And I did that draft where I looked at, you know, complementing a, a season people with a bunch of young pieces. And I think the move of those guys, that next generation of talent, really is on the rise. Because if you look at the guys who were going off the board this year, right up the top there, you had Shea Gilgis Alexander, Tyrese Halliburton, right up the top of the right up the top of your boards. For my okay. mind, they're not yeah, Luca, like those three guys. I think I think Luca proved his worth when there was doubts of him being in first-round value. It's helped that Kyrie's seen also so much time off this year, I think. He's played well with him in the team. To be fair, he's played extraordinarily well without him on the team. So I think those three guys, in my mind, yeah, they would be in my first round. And then I I still see continue the dominance of Embiid, Jokic, and I'm going to put in Anthony Davis because I've been really impressed with Anthony Davis this season. So I pretty much think that that's like – my, it's like my top five favorite films of all time. I also I, I trade one in and out interchangeably yeah. with how I feel. And I think that's how I'm going to feel with this one because I think that for me would probably be my my six, my top five at my six. What about you, Mitch?
2: Um, Yeah, look, I'll be honest. I haven't given this too much thought, but uh, <laughs> I think look, at the moment, so far this season, Joel Embiid is actually the number one player when it comes to minus one ranking value. So it's hard to sort of look past him at this stage and – just the absurd numbers that he's putting up, but, um, someone that you could take, I'm a big Tyrese Halliburton fan. And look, to be honest, I wouldn't put a pass, you know, uh, Victor Weminyamba being sort of top two, top three, uh, player next year. He's kind of putting up stupid numbers in 24 minutes a night at the moment. And, um, like, he's, he's just got an absurd fantasy game. And if you put him in the right build, he like he's a first-round player basically already this year. And he's played 29 games. So another season forward projection. Hopefully a little bit less of this Spurs bullshit that they're doing right now with the, um, you know, lineups they're putting out there. Maybe throw an actual point guard onto the team. And who knows what the hell uh, Wemby can be. I, I would pretty comfortably have him in my top six. I think there's a very strong top nine that i could really roll out there um at the moment um but yeah it's it's a really strong like I, I think i tweeted this uh maybe a few weeks ago but the top end of fantasy boards at the moment is probably the strongest i've ever seen it been mm. um in terms of them separating themselves from sort of the second round and beyond um there's just some really really big stat lines going out there at the moment
1: and I yeah. think that speaks to the volume as well, by the way. I think I think Michigan on the head there. When we look at who's jumped this season to the top end of that board, you've got guys, and I know when we use our trade exercise, we're looking at the last three weeks of numbers. So I'll drop a couple of names that are in that list of guys who were in like your first-round value, like Scotty Barnes, Alperin Schengen, Derek White. Like there's three guys alone in the top 12 that weren't first-round guys necessarily. Kawhi Lennon is the biggest jumper in the last three weeks being the second-ranked player. And obviously he had that injury handicap that we all, you know, labor him with. So he dropped down a lot. So you start to look at it. Tyus Jones has even been second round value the last couple of weeks. You know, one guy who will come up I won't mention for now. But even Dan Gafford getting flirting around with second round value the last three weeks. It just shows you how astronomically high a lot of guys have jumped from their their draft day predictions and where they got taken in their ADPs to to be giving us what they're doing right now mid season.
0: Yeah, there's been some Outstanding um, performances this season. Um, just for anyone that hasn't read my tweet, I, I, my my top twelve. So I had SGA at number one uh, for next year, and that's and and I I contemplated Embiid because I knew that he had been number one in minus one. I just think people still have that injury sort of asterisk in their head when drafting Embiid, so I'm not sure anyone would take him at one. Um, so I had SGA or Jokic at one, um, Embiid at three, Halliburton, Doncic, Wemby at six. Uh, But as Mitch said, I could see him going at three or four just because if someone has that fourth pick and they've seen what Wemby's done this season, it's just going to be so enticing to grab him at four. Um, So I've got Wemby at six. Chet Holmgren I've got at seven. I think they might go really close next year within two to three spots of each other. Yanis Steph Curry wasn't sure about him. Anthony Davis, who who I think is a top five player, but again that injury,
1: injury curse, type, yeah.
0: People still think of him as an injury prone guy. Um, Jason Tatum, and then I had a few names in it. Number twelve, I ended up going with Lamelo Ball, and that's just because I'm higher on Lamelo Ball than a lot of people. And and I I got some feedback about that on Twitter. And that's fine. Um, Kawhi would be another one I'd have in there, but I just don't think people will take him in the first round because of injuries. Um, Dame, you could have in there as well. Uh, so there's a few names, but, and look, it's a long way off, but I just thought I'd start up some discussion and. Uh, I like it. Final point, and then we'll get into the trades. The Knicks Raptors trade. So they made a trade just after we recorded last week, I think. Um, I don't remember what day it was. We've had two games, I think, from each team with the new players in there. Um, Just thought I'd get some initial thoughts on uh, OG, Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. They're probably the three big names. What are you thinking moving forward? Do they get a bump? Do they take a hit? Are they all rosterable? Is RJ Barrett still going to RJ Barrett and just shoot terrible percentages? Uh, Mitch, what, what do you think about those three guys?
2: Uh, Well, R.J. Barrett will always be R.J. Barrett in my books. Um, So, yeah, I think you're going to continue to get more of the same from him. Uh, The biggest winner, I think, from this trade is Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, He put up a really, I think, was it today? He played a really big game and uh, kind of showed what I expect more of him Moving forward, he had a, I think last game he had a bit of foul troubles which limited his minutes. So he had a big game today, and I kind of like. There's a world where he's top sixty uh, for the rest of the season. He's he's a really good fantasy player. He put up some big numbers down the stretch last season, um, and if he has a chance to play a more traditional point guardy kind of role, where he can put up some more decent assists rather than like the six man kind of Jordan Clarkson role off the bench, which he kind of did in New York uh yeah he could he could be a real big winner here and um so i think he benefits the most og kind of almost falls back a step he was already disappointing um just because you're going from sharing the court with scotty barnes and uh pascal siakam to scaring uh, to sharing the ball with um uh, julius Randle and jalen brunson i think their usage is both a little bit higher over there so whether or not the Tibbs's minutes and defensive skin can revive some of his steals compared to what had been down from you know last year's Raptors team to this year, um, maybe that salvages a little bit of that, but that's a bit of speculation at this point. So he's kind of the same, if not a little bit worse, yeah. in my books. Um, I've also been watching Divincenzo and, and Josh Hart as well mm-hmm. very closely. Yeah. I added Josh Hart in uh, the industry pickup league. Pretty underwhelming so far. I'm not sure if he's going to be someone we have to hold. Uh, but Divincenzo looks like more of a beneficiary.
1: Yep. Yep. G, your thoughts? Uh, Mitch read my mind, and he can take all the credit for saying exactly what I would have said. Uh, to be <laughs> honest, uh, to be honest, it's all about the Tibbs scheme. Like he's played 35 minutes a night for the last two games. OG Ananobi, for me, it's in his steals. Like OG's value. The thing that we as fantasy managers love was that he got. Great-looking offense going last season in Toronto, but it was complemented and backed up by excellent defensive stats. Now, the two steals in the last two games each, that's great for his norm. But again, they started to return a little bit in Toronto. Like, he started to put together some more assist games, looking back over it. He was in and out of the lineup. The thing I like the most for OG is that they are going to use him a lot more as a spot-up shooter because of the amount of impetus that they put on Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson isolation plays. There really is a like, holy shit, let's make the defense collapse and kick the ball out somewhere. This is where your DiVincenzos, your Josh Hart's, and your OG Ananobis get their outside game going. OG, the first game, three from the corner pretty much, one from the hash. I think two was in the corner and one was in the hash. And today back to a corner shooter again. So he is the third option either way you slice it there. But the big winner, I guess, who sees the biggest bump is Emmanuel Quickly, And I own him in one league and I was literally about to drop him the day before this happened and I was waiting to see on the waiver just to see what, like just to who I was going to pick up the next day for the games waiting, you know, in the transactions, you got to hold them until that day finishes. So I was literally holding quickly because the next plan, I was like, oh, I'll pick up someone for the waiver the next day. And I woke up to that news, and I'm like, I'm just going to hold on to you for a little bit while Emmanuel. Hmm. And that's turned out so far so good for me. So happy with that one. We'd just love to. Yeah. I think Di Vincenzo is, uh, is probably the other guy in New York that gets a bit of an uptick more than Josh Hart. What about you, Kingy?
0: Yeah, much the same. Uh, I've got OG, and I'm just hoping that this he'll, he'll get more minutes. I'm hoping that his steals go up, his free throw percentages go up. So, so far, so good. He was a team best plus thirty five today against the Bulls. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm okay with the trade for him. Quickly, huge winner, RJ Barrett. He's still RJ Barrett. Um, <laughs> you roster him yes, if he if fits your build, and yes, if he, he doesn't. Is. Nothing changes. Uh, and then DiVincenzo, I picked him up uh, in a couple of leagues um, as well. Uh, On to the trades. So only three, as I said, this week, because otherwise we'd be going all night. First one. Uh, now, this was yours, G, I believe.
1: It is. It is. And I was really surprised at this. I'm not going to lie. Who's having the better season, boys? Just off the top of your head, if we're talking about this, because this is where, when we we're putting out, like, who are we choosing? I was having a chat with one of our guys. Uh, shout out to Matrix the other day from Insight. I was like, who do you reckon it's having a better season? Dame Lillard or Trey Young? Uh,
0: Who's- I'm going gonna, to gonna say Trey Young just.
1: Yeah. Can you? Yeah. What about you, mate?
0: Uh, I'd agree because I've got Trey and I know how good he's been this year. Um, in the last, he was a little bit slow first week or two, but since then he's been, he's basically walking 30-10 at the moment.
1: Yeah. He is, and, and it's really surprising because what we use for this exercise is the basketball monster analytics for the last three weeks. So we look at them as just a pure raw set of data from this time, and then we make our judgments. So when I came through it, Damian Lillard is actually ranked 17th and Trey Young 18th in the past okay. three weeks. So immediately I was surprised by that. So I did a bit of a deeper dive into it to see where they were for the season. Trey Young is the 20th ranked player in the season. So he's returned that second round value where some people took him. Damian Lillard is the 19th ranked player so far on the season. Like literally they're both, no matter how you split it, Dame is one more ahead of Trey, no matter where you're looking at. And and you're right. He's been a walking bucket the last few weeks. Like the last three weeks, he has been like insanely good. He's walking double, double machine. And with the talk of DeJounte Murray possibly leaving, I think that's been the biggest name that we've seen around the trap. So I, I'd argue that him and Pascal Siakam be the two biggest trade bait names we've seen. It really opens up the team to be, once again, Trey Young's team. Not that it ever wasn't Trey Young's team, but the guy's playing 38 minutes a night, 30 points, four threes a game, three rebounds, 12 assists a game, and 1.5 steals, which has been outstanding to see. Field goal percentage is at 480 and free throw percentage at 840. Looking to Dame, his free throw percentage is a lead at 947.0. He's down on uh, career field goal percentage at 4.46. His assists are half. They're literally half, 6.1. One steal a game, four rebounds a game, three threes a game, and 26 points. And yet it's the turnovers that cost, I think, Trey more than that. But if you're punting that, I think I'm leaning very hard straight away to Trey, even though statistically right now, Dame is having the better season. So I don't know. Were you guys surprised when you look at it and Dame is still ranked ahead of Trey?
2: Um, I mean, I don't usually use nine category rankings very often, to be honest. So, um, I guess it doesn't surprise me just by the turnovers and how, you know, nine category rankings, you know, weights that. Um, yeah. but if I use what I like to use in minus one rankings for the season, Trey is, he's like the, what is he? The ninth ranked player so far on the year. And yeah, Damian Lillard in the, He's in the second round. So um, to me, that's normally the better way I like to value players. And I think if you've drafted either one of those guys, you, you're more likely being into a, a punt turnover and a punt field goal percentage build in a head-to-head format. So uh, for the most part, those you can use those minus one rankings kind of equally on both of them. Um and, and to me, Trey just gives you more of those kind of big strengths that you want in that kind of a build. Like he's averaging over 11 assists on the season. The 1.5 steals, which references by far his career high, mm-hmm. whether or not that sticks or not is is up for debate. They're both very elite free throw percentage um, guys getting to the line over eight attempts. Now, Damon Lillard is, is above 90, which is an extra sort of little bit of a tick his way, but I, I think comparing that to the assists that someone like Trey gives you, uh, I'm definitely just going to lean that way more. And like you said, it, it's, it's his team, whereas Lillard is definitely, uh, I think the the 1B to Giannis is 1A on the Bucks. Um, yeah. But it literally just comes down to the assists for me, and I think Trey's going to keep doing what he's doing. 100%.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I agree. I think we're three and zero on this one, um, and it it comes down to the assists for me. They're so they're just a hard category to get in in bulk like that. Unless your um, name's
1: Ty- unless your name's Tyrese Halliburton, and you can just Tyrese Halliburton, yeah, and and magically and do Trey. twenty a game, just
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that that's uh, he, he's obviously number one, uh, but Trey is a pretty clear number two in terms of 100%. assists. I, I haven't got the. Per game numbers in front 12, of me, but I would say twelve the point six.
2: Two. Yeah, twelve point six for 6. Tyrese and eleven point three for Trey. The only two who are over ten. The next closest is is Luca, who's two assists behind both, or yep. two assists behind yep. Trey. So fair gap.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah, and that and Luca's numbers are, are probably elevated a little bit because Kyrie hasn't been there. So with Kyrie there, he you wouldn't think he's going to average more assists with Kyrie there. So, um, yeah, and and Trey Young. When I posted my um, my top 12 for next year a few people actually commented and said trey should be in that discussion and i think he will be i th- yep. if if he maintains this trajectory the one and a half steals is really nice it's i wasn't expecting it at all when i drafted him um but if he can stick at 1.3 and 11 he, yeah. i think he'll be probably in the discussion at, uh, as a first rounder next season um which we, he hasn't been in that discussion for a couple of years. So um, he, he has been able to turn things around, which has been pretty impressive. Um, I was just going to say the thing about Trey that always kind of almost annoys me a little bit,
2: like he kind of, maybe not to this degree, like 11 assists, I think he was nine last year, but this is who he is. Like he's a 28, he's two and a half to three threes a game, you know, 10 assists, you know, one and a half steals is a bit above, but usually he's one, 1.1 steals and yeah. nearly 90% from the free throw on a big volume. But the rankings for him, and this is, again, I'm going to go on a rant here with nine cut rankings. The <laughs> rankings for him are up and down every season based on how many turnovers he's, yeah. he puts up yeah. and how what his field goal percentage is. Um, but for me in a player like Trae Young, like that just doesn't matter. So, Um, like I was very comfortable drafting him at sort of pick 12, pick 13 this season. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would agree with some of those people that comment, like I would have him up Steph Curry next season, very comfortably just with the age profile and, and sort of what we're seeing, um, you know, this season as well. So I do think, yeah, he's, he's a first rounder for the rest of the year, I believe.
1: And those teams that have managed to snare him and Tyrese Halliburton in the first like round and you got Trey in the second or third round this season. Like they've just locked up assists straight away and you can pretty much play with your builds from there on out for for a majority part of it. Imagine if like a three-game and a four-game week, generally speaking for those guys alone right now, there's 70 assists without blinking no matter what Mm. you're doing across your team. So that really is what you want to do when you, as you said, making your builds. Like in 9-cat or 11-cat, I'm in an 11-cat league where three-point percentages come in. So he takes a a hit on that one in that 20-man league. But when you've been putting your builds together, that's where you, you... Got picking him up in the second or third round, if you were like focusing on getting assists and building around like assists and steals, and you had Tyrese Halliburton or a Shea Gieldish Alexander in your first round, complemented by Trey Young, you've locked up a couple of cats really early on in your leagues and points on volume as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I do agree that that Trey probably will be in, in that discussion discussion and, and having him above Steph, I don't I think Yeah, look, it wouldn't be hard to talk me into that at all. And, I mean, in terms of punting or or not worrying about turnovers, I don't even consider turnovers (laughs) when I do my (laughs) draft stuff and when I look at who I'm drafting. It doesn't even factor in to my decision-making at all. So that's – yeah, some people do, but, yeah, I don't. Um, The next one, two – young players are uh, both having pretty good seasons a um, little bit up and down but but I'd say they've both they're both on an upward trajectory if we compare them to last season Jabari Smith and Keegan Murray uh, it's a tough one I, I you guys obviously sent me through your proposed trades the tray one I was able to decide on pretty quickly this one took me a little bit longer Um to come up with. So, so Mitch, what are you, what are you thinking here?
2: Yeah. I mean, I I sent this one through and I, I don't know. I actually have no idea. (laughs) Um, I I think um, you could talk me in either way with these boys. I think if we were to send it to the audience, my gut says me that a lot of people would say Keegan Murray. I think he's probably the, I don't know, more buzzier name, I don't know if it's just the the strength and passion of the Kings fans that I follow on Twitter, but um, I think I would go Keegan Murray just only because... I have seen a development and improvement in his game on things like the steals, which weren't quite as good as they were last season. He is playing slightly more minutes than, um, than a Jabari Smith. So I have a little bit more faith that the team is going to ride him through, even if he isn't playing very well. and, And, and he's been able to do that on a team that's, you know, uh, probably at least more proven to be competitive and, and pushing for playoff um, seating and things like that. And he's still getting more minutes. So i probably lean um, Keegan Murray, but it's maybe closer than I think a lot of people would, you know, instantly think about.
0: G, what do you think?
1: So I bought, I've got, I, I'm, I'm with. Mitch, again on this one, because I'm actually, as of 7.59 p.m. tonight, just before we jumped onto this, and I had my alert go off, I am now the proud owner of one Jabari Smith Jr. in a league. Aye. There you go. He was dropped, uh, thinking that injury was going to be more long-term. I put my waiver claim in. I think I was the third priority. So I kind of thought being Jabari Smith Jr., I would, I dropped the Kongwoo for him, and I love the omelette, but I thought, who's getting the minutes right now? And, and that's what you hit on, Mitch. Like, who's getting the minutes but I've just brought up Keegan Murray in one league because I know that Keegan Murray's season was so inconsistent to start. It was ridiculous. So he was initially drafted in this. This was it. He was drafted 112th. So this is just in one of my leagues. So This is my my mates. And there's a few of the guys from Insight there, some guys I play basketball with still. So he ended up going 112th in the 10th round. He was dropped, picked up. He was held for pretty much a month. He got injury. He was claimed by Mick Dell, who you guys know uh, from Insight, and then he was dropped again injured. He was picked up by another team and then dropped, and then Mick Dell has managed to get him back because that's the kind of season that Keegan Murray has had. Like He's been up and down all over the shop, and then he was injured, but he's been on just this beautiful trajectory for the last little while. You know what I mean? Like The guy has been fantastic, but Jabari Smith Jr. also really started to up his game a little bit. I think the last three games, he hasn't been so good. He was out that one game with the injury. But this is a guy who put it together at the end of last season and we started talking about he's we know his preseason form, but what he was doing just before he went down, like I had to think twice like whether do I take do I even let go a Kongwu with his potential upside for Jabari Smith Jr.? And the answer for me has to be yes, because if a little bit more of that efficiency comes back, he ends up getting the volume of shots anywhere from like 12 and above shots a night. The guy's proven to be like a 15 to 16 point scorer. He dribbles in some blocks. I love his rebounding. His turnovers are very minimal. He's a very good free throw shooter. I'm kind of out on it. I think I'd probably take Keegan Murray in a squeeze just because I love how much he stretches the floor on a contending team that's really putting it together. And the Kings are playing pretty well together right now. They've only got one loss in their last five games. i probably just lean Keegan with an edge, but I really do like Jabari Smith Jr. And I think... I think he's going to get better as the season goes as well now that he's coming back from this injury. And I think there's – I I think he's going to get better again from here. I think he's going to go back to that, you know, that 32, 37, 34 minutes a night role very soon. And then I think that we're going to see a lot of value out of Jabari Smith Jr. But right now, today, I'd, I'd take Keegan in a pinch.
0: Yeah, as I said, it's a close one and, and I couldn't – I couldn't just look at it and go yeah i would go this guy but after looking at their stats I think I'd lean Jabari Smith just it's again it's very close um in my mind I just think of Keegan as a, a, a he's I feel like his value relies a little bit more on his scoring which is still inconsistent he has been a better scorer this year but um and and I know as Mitch said his steals have improved that and that's probably reflective of me not having him on any rosters, whereas I've got Jabari Smith on two rosters. So I keep a closer eye on him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as G said there, he was he was playing really well before that injury. Hasn't looked as good. Tari Eason is out at the moment, though, so I think Jabari Smith, his minutes will go up. Um, so I think I'd just go him ever so slightly. And, and I think of Jabari Smith as a guy that should be getting 1.2, 1.3 blocks. And that's not happening. It hasn't happened throughout his career, but um, I still think the upside is there. Especially given that Shengun is not a shot blocker, so he he's not protecting the rim. I, I feel like that's going to be Jabari's job. Um,
1: They're both like two K dreams. If you if you're both making a my player in two K, these are the kind of like archetypes that you really want to be filling out and building. I don't know if you guys play two K, but this is kind of like which weapon do you want? Do you want a power forward who can also interchange in a small ball center kind of role? Or do you want that like rangy, like lengthy, like Keegan Murray type? And the steals for him have been really fantastic because he's a, he reads the lanes really well. So I think he's bought that next level to Sacramento that they need to, I won't say contend for a championship because they're still in a crowd Western conference, but him being this good. And us even having that conversation, I think, Shows the quality that Sacramento has in their mm. squad right now, in general.
0: On to the third one. This is mine, and I didn't actually decide on who I was going to do until.
1: Oh wait a second! Uh, Mitch needs to do it. Mitch, you need to decide because you were unsure. He did his. He did his. Oh, I did. I did
0: Keegan. I did Keegan. Just. You did Keegan. Yeah. You did Keegan. You did Keegan yeah. Just.
1: Okay. Okay. So two
0: one. I'm gonna. We'll go two one on that one. Two, two to Keegan. versus Javari. All right. All right. Um, so this was one that I. Uh, I actually popped something on Twitter to, today. I think it was, um, and it was, who would you prefer in fantasy? Not or, No, maybe it was who's drafted first next season. Jalen Johnson coming off a really good game today or Franz Wagner. Wagner went and got injured, so I didn't put him in this today <laughs> because he's injured. So if you were to do a trade right now today, I think you'd be hesitant to go Franz because of that injury. Um so I substituted him with Brandon Ingram, who has been a defensive specialist over the last week for some reason. We've never seen it. Um, but he has been getting defensive stats. Jalen Johnson or Brandon Ingram today? Uh, Mitch, you can start. Give me Jalen
2: Johnson. And I feel pretty confident in this one. Yeah. Um, Just uh, Brandon Ingram. Look, outside of these past two weeks, and again, uh, I did go up against him in uh, industry pickup, and I was competing in steals and blocks, and it was I was pulling my hair out, honestly, when he was putting up three steals and four blocks and and all this sort of shit. Um, But that's not the norm, and the norm is that he's a good scorer. He can give you some assists, and he can do it somewhat efficiently. He doesn't give you... Really, anything else? He's actually not even a good three point volume scorer. Um, the steals and blocks are, are bad, the rebounds are not that great for someone who you know is six foot nine. Um, so he's fine, he's just very eh, uh mid, as the kids would say. Um, whereas I think J- Jalen Johnson is, um, he's just kind of scratching the surface now. And the more I see him play, the more he is elevating himself to be, I don't know, dare I say, like the second option on this Hawks team yeah. in terms of on offense. Um, he brings the defensive stats. He can pass. He can rebound. His three-point shooting has improved tremendously this season. Um, and I think he just fits on more builds in fantasy rosters than uh, a player like Brandon Ingram would, who's kind of just meh across the board and and, and not really – he doesn't really excel in any one thing. Whereas I think, um, yeah, someone like a Jalen Johnson is, um, yeah, a bit more build uh, – benefits a bit more in certain builds.
0: Yeah, um, so pretty convincing there. I don't. You didn't really. You don't even like Brandon Ingram by the sounds of that. So we'll oh, go. I mean, with... look, I've got him in a league.
2: I've got him <laughs> in a league. I've got him in my uh, industry. No, no. What have I got him in? Um, my FBI World Cup team, which um, which is kind of screwed at the moment with a few injuries and the playoffs starting next week. But um, look, he's fine. He he scores and he gives me free throw percentage, which is something that I needed on that team, and 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 that's that does have value. But I think that Jalen also scores pretty pretty solid as well. And he just does a bit more else, I think, outside of that.
0: G. do you yeah, concur? Mitch, Mitch,
1: no, Mitch's face, when you bring up the name Brandon Ingram, is exactly the image that's on the screen now when of Brandon <laughs> Ingram's <COVID>. face. <laughs> Fully covered. It's, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. and I think Mitch hit it on the head with one thing. When you think about Brandon Ingram, you think about this stretch three and D without the D kind of build, that he's this rangy guy who just puts in points and he gets threes and in numbers, he in doesn't fact, even he's only, get threes
2: though. He he's doesn't 1. get threes. <laughs>
1: exactly, he's only got more than two threes a game five times this season. So when we talk about him as this big flaw, like this, he he hits two or one, and then he gets three or a four or a five here and there when he's cooking. But he's not the three point volume shooter. For me, I want a guy who's going to bring me the field goal percentage that Jalen Johnson does, and I picked Jalen Johnson up in waivers early on this season, and I was really pissed at Brano. Uh, one of my mates, because when he was injured, I was I was just watching him. I'm like, you're fucking, you're getting close. But I had Jar Morant waiting to come back and I had another injury in my league. And I'm like, you know what? The second that Jar is good to go on that OKC game, I'm going to add Jalen Johnson and drop someone off because then I don't, I, then I have my one inactive spot that I can kind of live with. And I think I said it on a pod and Breno messaged me and all I got in my text was, thanks. And I was like, what the, f- what the fuck is he, ta- what, what is he talking about? And then I saw the notification come up and I'm like, uh, Mo Money Mo Bumba has added Jalen Johnson. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Uh, So I love Jalen Johnson. I think he has been a revelation. This is the reason why John Collins is no longer an Atlanta Hawk. Let's all be honest. This is the guy that they saw in their roster who could really step up and do it, and I don't think they had any organizational hesitancy in pulling the trigger and moving on Collins to have this guy step up who's been exceptional this season. I'm taking Jalen Johnson because – you know, how long has Brandon Ingram been around for? And especially in a dynasty league, it's Jalen Johnson, 100%. It's not even close. It's, not even, it's, not even close. It's, it's it's really chalk and cheese. It's like minus one versus nine cat. You're not even talking the same language almost. It's, it's Jalen Johnson for me, left, right, and center. I think he's an exceptional talent. And the thing that I've really been impressed with him the most is his improvement in his free throw shooting. Like it was a little bit iffy to start the season. Like it was a bit clunky, but he really has been – improving that I think steadily in the last you know couple games 800 plus and he's getting to the line four times five times six times as well and initially it was a, a couple here and there but he seems to be more aggressive in attack for Atlanta like you said that second option almost seems to go through him in a very attacking way and I, and I love watching them play they're a better team with him on the court yeah I'm, I'm taking jalen Johnson because you know what if Brendan Ingram goes down hello Trey Murphy hello herb Jones there's someone to step up there I don't know if you can get the same kind of anything out of Atlanta if it's not Jalen Johnson.
0: Yeah, well, we're 3-0 and here because I'm going Jalen. Um, yeah. I really only put these – as I said, I would have put Franz Wagner in here who I think would have been a closer uh, discussion, so. uh, more of a yeah. discussion. Um, but yeah. based on the last few weeks, these guys were very close. But I think all you need to do is look at why they're close in the last few weeks, and it's because, as I said, Brandon Ingram has been getting defensive stats, which he never gets. So it's not yes, sustainable. Never. Um Johnson. What was that like,
1: Mitch? Playing against that the week that the, the week that you oh, decided to get seven frustrating stocks,
2: frustrating as hell. I mean, like I tweeted this out. He in one game he had three steals and four blocks. Four. The three steals were a season high. The four blocks was a season high, and he did it in one game combined. And I think he did it nearly in the first half. And I was pulling my hair out in that game. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And uh, yeah, it was it was driving me nuts. Like just to give you, like he's averaging one point three steals and one point six blocks over the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, you know. The blocks are um, over a third of that, or well, less than a third of that at zero point five of the season, and the steals are nearly half of that at zero point eight. So, um, yeah, over the last two weeks, his he's, you know ranking is dramatically better and boosted by those things.
1: I'm really curious to know with his career stats with how much he decided to shit on you that week. I'm actually bringing up his career <laughs> stats right now just to see, like, has he ever done that before? I remember when he was. Do you remember when he was a rookie and he had that little bit of a, a spate where he went. On an absolute tear with the Lakers, and he was like blocking shots left, right, and center.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I don't that. know. It's, it's been a long time, but yeah, I remember just watching that on my matchup and looking at it and being oh, so God. pissed off that I dug through the stats every single game log this season. I went, How many times has he blocked four shots? And it you'd was be, once. You'd be
1: very happy to know that he was never averaged over 0. 0.7.
2: Yeah, so yeah, he averaged like, I think, two and a half blocks versus me last week, which was nuts.
1: Oh, no. Yeah.
0: Well, at least I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one, that when someone who's up against me does something like that, I go back through the game log and go, <laughs> look at how, how much of an how, outlier this how is. How unlucky am I? Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah, this has nothing I, to do with my ability to manage a fantasy team. <laughs> um, do you yeah. guys also
1: go back and look at your historical records and when all of a sudden you're shit in one category? Because all of a sudden my team can't shoot free throws. And so I'm like, wait, wait, I'm 700? And I went back and looked and I'm like, I'm 820, 840, 846. And this week, yeah. all of a sudden, Fred Van Vliet misses some shots. Scoot Henderson, McCall Bridges decides to not hit anything. I'm like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, I'm sitting at 700 and my free throws. I just, I feel like the worst manager in the world.
0: Yeah, percentages are tough. Um, yeah. It, it can be, so, yeah, it's so finicky. and And it only takes like one of those high volume guys to shoot oh. poorly or to, Get lucky and it can change that whole category. Um, 100%. Yeah. So prior to the four, four block game, Brandon Ingram had blocked seven shots this season. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Christ. More evidence for you. Oh, man. Um, oh, There's uh, some salt yes, in the wound. I'm going Jalen Johnson. Uh, he, he's, yeah, I think we saw today. I mean, he was, what do you have today? 28 and seven, three assists, four steals. And he had foul trouble. He only played 29 minutes because he had five fouls. He had played uh, 37 and 35 minutes prior to that. So he could have played an extra six, seven minutes um, because it was a close game. So uh, he could have very well had 30. So yeah, look, it's uh, yeah. It's Jalen Johnson for me. Um, I'll let you both go in a second. quickly, because I was thinking about this last night, if we go ahead to next season, very quickly, where do you think Jalen Johnson goes in a draft,
2: Mitch? Ooh, that's
0: a, that's a tricky one. I don't, what's he even
2: at right now? He's... Uh... I'll let, I'll,
1: how's this? I'll, while you look at that up, I'll go for this one. I reckon Jalen Johnson is next year's Jalen Williams. There's my, there's my take on it. I think people are going to start to covet what he does, just like they started to covet Jalen Williams at the end of last season, roughly. I, I feel he'll have similar impact. I'll put it this way. I'm more
2: confident that his quote-unquote ranking, which is top 40 at the moment, sticks than I was when Jalen Johnson was... Sorry, Jalen Williams was putting up top 40 numbers when he did it because he did it without like sort of outrageous steal numbers and, and things like that. Yeah. Whereas there's nothing that I look at Jalen Johnson's stat line, which is 15 points, just over a three per game, eight rebounds, nearly three assists, just over a steal, just under a block. Like That all seems relatively... Replicatable to me. So I do think he's probably a top 40 guy next year uh, or is drafted in, uh, as such.
1: Great percentages, too. Really good percentages. Yeah. That's that's what really helps stick him out from most is that he just, he he's one of those guys when you watch him, you just almost think it's not going to miss half the time, which is, yeah, yeah which is, he's, yeah, like, yeah, a, I love he's it. like
2: a better Tobias Harris.
1: He's a better Tobias. <laughs> this is the mansion, Casey. This is the mansion this and, the mansion, and, and, yeah. and houses, Har- houses Harris is the house. And this is, the pool room and the, and the mitch and just the, had a to get a shot of
0: tobias harris into this show didn't hey, he jab. has been he
1: has been he, i actually almost when when you told me that mitch was going to be on the show this week i was like let me look at who i can bring in and do attack tobias harris just to make mitch say tobias harris wins the trade
0: <laughs> yes yes uh, right. well yeah like so yeah top 40 i think he probably goes top 40 third round maybe back into yeah. the third round yeah 30, third 50, round, sounds- so um yeah, look, he's been great. I got him in a dynasty league. I'm really happy about that. I've had a few trade-offers thrown at me for Ooh, him. But, uh, I've got him in a dynasty as well in a 30-teamer, which, uh, yeah, very
2: happy with that. Yeah.
0: Oh, I mate, that's 25? a huge coup.
1: That's a huge coup.
0: Yeah, mine's not the 30 deep. I think it's 20, 20 deep is the dynasty one I've got him in. So, um, Along with Cade, so I'm pretty happy. Um, I will let you go. Mitch, uh, what's coming up on, uh, on your show and, and over the next few weeks?
2: Yeah, uh, over at my show, we're getting back into a, a normal routine, so coming up um, later this week, we will be doing, uh, we'll, we'll start to preview next week, and then go into uh, early in the week some some buy lows and sell highs, which we haven't done for a couple of weeks over the Christmas period, and uh, yeah, just keep pushing through with the, the three to four shows a week, um, so check it out at uh, Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast on YouTube, podcasts anywhere you sort of download your pods, and um, find me on Twitter, Ball Boys Fantasy, where I'm... Um, Probably gonna keep ripping on players like
0: Tobias Harris over there and uh I don't know, follow me over there. That's what we do. Uh G, what's what's going on at Insight?
1: Uh, mate heaps just the latest one I've called the Kenny Rogers episode. Uh know when to hold him and know when to fold him, uh know when to walk away and know when to run. So I think it's one of the questions that I get asked the most. So I jumped on today while the games were playing and I looked at what was going on and like, okay, so what do we take from the games and when do we hold guys? When do we when do we run away? When is it time to draw a line in the sand or even trade them off? And did that one today. That drops overnight tomorrow. We've got one. Mitch is actually jumping on one. We've got our next Fantasy Jam session. I've got to tee up that in the next couple of weeks. So you will expect to see Mitch Casey on that big bonanza. King you' coming back on one soon. And we've got our half-season episode, the four founders of Insight Fantasy Sports, myself, Mick, uh, Brano, and Matrix. We're doing a half-season special because it's halfway through our fantasy season. So we're going to do half season rankings, a redraft top five, like who we're going to take per round. Uh, We're going to get drafted on that one. So yeah, a bunch of fun coming up this weekend on the show as well. So make sure you check it out. Do it at Insight FS, wherever you find your podcasts and follow along and subscribe.
0: Very good. Plenty of good content there. Uh, We've got our regular shows as well. So this show on a Thursday night, uh, Friday night is uh, Fantasy Forecast. So I've got Dan Titus on with me tomorrow. Um for that show, Saturday is our streaming schedule, me and uh, Mike Fiddle working through the schedule, having a look at who we can stream for the upcoming week. And then we've got Noah Rubin doing his Tank Me Later uh, podcast, which is a mixture of Dynasty and Redraft. And Mike uh, Fiddle does his Wednesday slate because Wednesday's as we know, it's usually a, a big slate of games, so he, he takes a look at uh, all the betting angles and the stuff that I don't know about because I have never bet in my life. Uh, thank you, Mitch. Thank you, G, for coming on. Um, thank you, sir. G, you'll be back with me next week. Mitch, we'll yes, have sir. you on again at some point in the future when I can squeeze some time uh, out of your busy Absolutely. schedule. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, mate. <laughs> Uh, and also, you if, you,
1: if you're Australian as well, though, follow Mitch Casey for your AFL stuff because I know that we do yes, AFL right over. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know we do AFL on Insight, Mick Dell and Skiddy. I know you know Skiddy really well, Kingy. They're doing an AFL podcast tonight. They're just absolutely chomping at the bit for the Insight AFL season to begin. But I know Mitch, you've cracked out your first one as well. So if you do follow that code as well, make sure you check out Insight and check out Mitch Casey for his AFL stuff. It's a top listen.
2: Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, I do appreciate that. We are getting cracked into the AFL fantasy stuff, which is uh it's always good fun to, to switch it up from basketball from time to time.
0: And it's sneaking up on us like f- the footy preseason seems to get earlier and earlier every year. Yeah, bloody um, hell. It's March seventh yep. this year, I think it's first kickoff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two months. So it's not that long. It's legit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, That will do for today's show. Remember, you can follow me uh, at AdamKing91 uh, at FBI Basketball. We're on on Twitter. Uh, Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe. We we would really appreciate that. Uh, Until next week, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy
1: Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at
2: fbibasketball.com.